Welcome to another episode of Big Ten Spotlight. He is Dion Thomas, the all-time point-scoring leader for the Illinois Fighting Illini, and I am Aaron York, the all-time leader in tears shed for Penn State basketball. <laughs> Just uh, one of the, I mean, there have been down weeks, there have been weeks without expectations, but I had a miserable week of Penn State basketball, not only did and we're going to just get this out of the way. We'll talk about the important, the good teams in a little bit in very soon. But not only did they lose to Bucknell, who's below the top 300 in Ken Palm in a very disappointing game, then they had a chance to go 1 0 in Big Ten play at Maryland. And it was just okay. a parade to the foul line. It was just an ugly basketball game. It was just miserable to watch. And then it got into overtime because of a foul. They Maryland fouled Ace Baldwin Jr. on an inbounds play. And it was just parade to the foul line for Julian Reese. Just nothing. Penn State could do 23 offensive rebounds for Maryland. Penn State could not get a rebound in this game. And they still had a chance to win and they could not get it done because all, all our forwards fouled out. All right. That was, uh, that's, that gets out of the way. So all right, that's, that's yeah, you're right. I had a great week, Dion. That's what I'm gonna say. Double A. Let let's clear up the tears now. We're we're done. You know the rant has 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 finished. But you're right. We're going from one end of the spectrum to the other end. Uh, Illinois had a great weekend. Of course, first starting off going into Rutgers. Anytime you're playing in uh, what we call affectionately the rack. I mean, and, and for those that are listening, understand why they have that name. If you don't understand it, there is a torturous place to play um, way back for with Rutgers women, Rutgers men. If you went in there, you was almost counting an L. And Illinois, for example, has not done well uh, playing on the road there, especially in this Brad Underwood era. But they are now have won two in a row uh, playing against, you know, in the rack. But that has been some hard slips, but they went in there, man. And I covered that game that night and they literally dominated that game from the tip. You know, one of the things that was the question for Illinois last year was really, and I know people are like last year, Dion, why are you talking about last year? You will understand here in a second. One of the things last year was the people questioned the leadership, including myself, who's going to step up, take over as the leader. And I think they suffered because they didn't have that clear uh, cut person to take charge, sometimes to chew people's out and other times to pat them on the back and give them a hug. And my co-worker, my uh, co-host, Brian Barnhart's uh, interview with Terrence Shannon Jr. And he was talking to Terrence about, hey, what does this week look like? You're here on the East Coast. You're going to play this Rutgers game tonight. You're going to go to New York tomorrow. What, what does this look like? How is it exciting? And Terrence's very simple answer was, this is a work weekend. We come in here for two wins. That shows a growth in leadership from this young man. And that's the way they came out of the gate against Rutgers that night. I mean, and they completely dominated. Rutgers scored the first two points. And then Illinois went on a 14-2 run after that and did not look back. I mean, the closest Rutgers got was at the halftime. I believe it was a five-point game, and then they, you know, Illinois quickly blew that one back open uh, to almost a 20-point game, and then they they finished where they finished. But 
it was a very dominating game from from beginning to end for Illinois, and it was a great game. But that that was a great game. You anytime you can go one and zero in the Big Ten and you can win on the road, it's great. But Tuesday night, oh, yeah. whoa, that was the one that you know I have to say, uh, Aaron, I put on my calendar. And I put it on there because you're playing a Florida Atlantic team that has just come off of a Final Four run. You're bringing all of those players back, not with the exception of one. I'm sorry, they had 13 of their 14 players back from last year's team. So this is a very good team from top to bottom. Uh, other than watching them play in the Final Four, had not seen them much except for a couple of games this year in which one of them they lost. But this team, I, I expected them to come out and fight the way they did, and they did. That's maybe one of the best basketball, college basketball games I have seen in a very long time. You know, it was black and forth. It was like two heavyweights slugging in the ring, man. It, it was exciting. Did you get a chance to see it? Yeah, I did catch, I did catch a, a good part of that Illinois-Florida Atlanta game as we had three really good games on Tuesday yeah. And like you said, Terrence Shannon, he backed up that talk with his actions. He scored. I mean, it was he was part of one of the most impressive two man performances I've seen in college basketball with him scoring 33 points. Marcus yeah. Damask scored 33 points. This was Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden against FAU. I think they combined to shoot about 70 percent from the field. They were doing it all. I mean, Marcus Damask, we haven't seen this out of him, at least for Illinois so far, as he just transferred in yeah. this year. But he's someone who could be the straw that stirs the drink. He can play at that sort of point forward role while Terrence Shannon works off the ball. Terrence Shannon, when he gets going downhill, he is so hard to stop. You either have to Impossible. get out of the way or foul him. Yeah. yeah. And we saw him doing a lot of that against FAU. And they, they were both career high performances, Terrence Shannon Jr. and Marcus mm -hmm. Damask. And for the FAU side, Vlad Golden, the, the only way to stop him is to get him in foul trouble. And Illinois was able to accomplish that. He scored 23 points on 10 and 15 shooting in just 19 minutes. So if they were if he was able to stick around, he might have even been able to overcome those two amazing scoring performances for Illinois. But that's a big part of the game for big men. Got to stay out of foul trouble. Illinois got him in foul trouble. Terrence Shannon Jr., the way he gets the basket, a big part of that. And, yeah, just a huge week for Illinois. Big yeah. win on the road. And then the win of the Garden against uh, Florida Atlantic. And we all expect to be making noise in the NCAA tournament again. Oh, they will for sure. But you, you went on to mention Marcus uh, Damask. I actually call him the doctor. Of course, MD, you know, that's a dad joke. Um, I yes. kind of call him the, doc <laughs> the doctor. But, uh, you know, he was in his play in that game and uh, extremely surgical. I mean, once he realized and recognized that he had any of these smaller um, guards from FAU on him, whether it was off the inbound or whatever, really doled them down into the post where he's extremely good, has a great jump hook, turnaround jump shot, going over both shoulders. And, I mean, and this is a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guard. And, I mean, and he went down and he just did his thing, and it was all under control, which was even more important. But you talk about this game. I mean, anytime you go, your team shoots 63%, I believe it was, you expect this to be a blowout. 
But that's where you take your hat off to this FAU team. I mean, they were fantastic. I mean, they were so good on both ends of the court. You know, Coach actually said in the post game that this was probably the best passing team that he's played against, and that was where he had his fears with. And, and they were. And all of that was legitimately true. This is a team that moved the ball very well. You talk about Golden. Big fella's nice, man. I, I didn't realize how nice he was. Um, when he was not on the floor, you could definitely see the difference. Um, he controlled the pulse. But you know who I really love is the kid out of um, uh, uh, Indianapolis, uh, John L. Davis. Yeah. John L. Davis, yep. Davis, man. It, that kid plays within himself. I'll tell you this. If he was 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, he'd be on the NBA draft boards. At, at 6'1", 6'2", I don't know if he'll get there, but his game was so fluid, so tight. He understood how to get into the paint and get to where he needed to and could also just flat out shoot the basketball. Really like that kid as a player. But as you mentioned, we had three really good games that, that day. Um, Michigan State goes down again at home against Wisconsin. And you were telling me about Wisconsin, man, and, and you were 100% right. This team has a chance to be pretty doggone good. Yeah, with, yeah, Wisconsin. Now, two of those games ended up being on Peacock. So I don't know. We talked last week about how Big Ten fans need to adjust to yes. all these games being on Peacock. And that and Tuesday night was a good example of why that adjustment needs to be made, because there were two really important games. They're the first, like you said, Wisconsin, they go into East Lansing and come out with a 70 to 57 win. They won from they they led the whole way and they also led the whole way on Saturday against Marquette. And now we're thinking they went at home against Marquette, who's one of the best teams in the country. Then they go and they beat. Uh, Michigan State in the Breslin Center, which is a notoriously tough place to play. Yeah, Wisconsin might be, yeah, they might be a team that can win this whole conference as we didn't even get to Purdue. Obviously, Purdue suffered a loss already, so Wisconsin has the jump on them in the standings. And what is different about this Wisconsin team from last year? They have a lot of talented guys back that have added experience, as we saw Stephen Crowell. Now he's a great shooter. He went four for four from three-point range. He put the Badgers up early. They got up out to a 9-2 to two start. I think Crowell hit two three-pointers early. They go up 9-2, and then they just – they did not trail. So that was a huge part of the game. And then A.J. Store, the transfer from St. John's, he has been a volume shooter. He has not been the most efficient shooter. But this game against Michigan State, he was very efficient. 8 of 11 from the field and 4 of 6 from three-point range. He was a huge part of the Badgers victory. And then the other, another newcomer, John Blackwell, a freshman, 10 points off the bench. He's another guy who can get to the basket and help draw the defense away from Wisconsin shooters. So they look really good. They look really balanced as usual. They do not foul a lot. They make the offense earn the opposing offense earn all of the points. And I, yeah, I love what I'm seeing from the Wisconsin team. How can you not with these two huge victories they got this week? Well, we call that Badger ball. Uh, that, that's one of those things that they are not going to do is hurt themselves. They're, they're going to make you beat them. And, and right now, Michigan State is struggling. They cannot shoot the basketball. You know, they, they, I don't understand what's going on and what's with the, the mixture up there right now. 
uh, in East Lansing. I expect them to get a lot better. Tyson Walker has been playing well. A.J. Hogard has been playing well. But no one else is really stepping up and playing well. So they're really going to have to find someone to get the ship turned in the right direction. Um, you know, they got one, a Hall of Fame coach sitting on their sideline. I'm sure they'll figure it out. But as you mentioned, this is not about Michigan State. This is about Wisconsin. Wisconsin has two huge wins. I mean, that one over Marquette because of Illinois. I know how good Marquette is. I watched them uh, come out of Champaign with a win uh, with my own eyes. That's a good team. And then for them to come into the Breslin Center, I mean, I'm sorry, into um, the Cole Center and get walked up and down the floor by Wisconsin uh, is, is definitely says something about this team. Very good defensive team. Wisconsin's offense will give most teams trouble because it's so uh, low possession. So if you make mistakes, then they're going to really make you pay for it. But you talked about the differences in this, in this team. A.J. Storr, man, gives them a bona fide score. You know, they, they hadn't really had that. You know, you talk about him being a volume shooter. That's because he's a scorer. This time he was on knocking down threes. And anytime he's able to do that, that's going to cause a problem. But what I love is, you know, Chucky Hepburn didn't have a whole lot of points that game, had five, re you know, five points, five rebounds, but eight assists. And that's where he is, is so dangerous because he can hurt you in so many different ways. And if he's doing his thing and getting the ball to Crowell and store, and let's not forget Taylor Wall, let's not forget Wall, who has also been one of their main players over the past few years, then he's going to continue. This team can, can win the big team. Big Ten. I don't put them on the level just yet of an Illinois or a Purdue, um, but they're in that next group of teams, and they're probably at that that you know smidge behind them. But this team is really doggone good. And in, in the Big Ten, you're only one basket away from winning the league or losing the league. So I definitely expect uh, Wisconsin to be there. Bucky Badger ain't ever too far away, man, as they go on to the league, but. You know, we move on to another team that has been a little confounding to both of us. You know, I didn't expect Michigan to be great, but they have talent on that team. And the team that we expected to be good is good. That Indiana team is is has a chance to be special. And, and it starts with their interior play. I mean, they're two bigs. <laughs> On the inside, man, I, I don't know what you say about them, but they they got a chance to be really doggone good. They're long, they're athletic, they block you know they block the ball well. Um, so you've seen them just like I have. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I yeah I really like this uh, Indiana front court with Khalil Ware and then Malik Renu and then the freshman from New Jersey is starting to get into the act as well, Macabo. Yeah, a uh, Mabako. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to have to learn that name because he's going to be a force in this conference. Yeah, he is. Mbako, he has starting to become a double-digit score for the double-figure score for them after getting off to a slow start in this freshman year. And also notable for the Indiana Hoosiers, they went into Michigan and got a big 78-75 to 75 when they were playing without Xavier Johnson, their point guard, yeah. because he was out with a, I believe it was a foot injury. Yeah, foot injury for Xavier Johnson. And Indiana got great production from their bench. They got a combined 28 points from 
Caleb Banks, Peyton Sparks, Anthony Walker, and CJ Gunn. That helped fill in the gaps as Gabe Cups, the freshman who is filling in at point guard for Xavier Johnson. Not much of a scorer yet, but they expect him to do great things in the future. So the bench really carried the day for them. And I just want to talk about Michigan. They also had a really tough loss at Oregon on Saturday where they go into overtime and they lose on a last second jumper by the Ducks. And Doug McDaniel, he was he went off in that Oregon game. I think he went seven for 12 from three-point range. And they were just lighting it up from beyond the arc, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, McDaniel scored 33 points, career high for him, 7 of 12 on threes. And in that game, Olivier Kumwa struggled. And that was part of the reason why they just couldn't get it done against Oregon. And then in the game against Indiana, they have a great game from Kumwa. He is just looking like a monster in the mid-range. And he scored 18 points on 8 for 16 shooting. But Doug McDaniel goes cold, only three or four from 14 from the field. Still scored 13 points because he knows how to get to the line. So that shows you what a good score he's going to be. And Michigan also got a great, this guy is going to be a, could be a six man of the year candidate, Will Cheddar. It is not spelled like the cheese, but it sounds like the cheese. So that's an easy name to remember. Will Cheddar off the bench for Michigan, 17 points on just six of seven shooting. But Michigan falls short again, and they just need to get a. They just need McDaniel and Kumwa to play well during the same game, and I think they have some potential, especially with Cheddar being a force off the bench. I, I still, I'm still sticking with this Michigan team as a tournament team, as a team that can be an NCAA tournament team, but they need to get these these two stars playing well at the same time. Well, and, and that's always the uh, tough part when you have. So many new pieces, young players, everybody trying to come together. You're still trying to figure out, okay, who are we as a team? And I think that's where Michigan is right now. They're just trying to figure out who they are. And once they're able to get that on board, then everything else seems to fall behind that. But you talked about Cheddar. Cheddar has a chance to be a pretty doggone good player. It's a great outing for him uh, this last game. And we'll see. It's just Michigan really trying to figure out and find who their go-to guys are on a consistent night. And that's one of those uh, things that the coaches are still learning. I mean, we're only eight, nine games in. So you're still learning these things through your preseason, and they hope to be better as they move into the uh, Big Ten season. But, you know, back to Indiana, Indiana's depth. Where I mean, and when you look at where – he has really began to separate himself on that team. I mean, I know Rihanna was really good, but where to me at his size, how he moves the floor, how he gets up and down the floor, his athleticism, his shot blocking ability. He's going to be one of the key names in the Big Ten this year. But, you know, we, we have been fortunate to have some really good basketball on Tuesday we had some really good basketball on Wednesday. As you mentioned, Purdue bounced back and, and blasted Iowa and have gotten themselves back uh, back in the line. But there were some other Big Ten games. You mentioned the Maryland and Penn State game. I won't make you relive that pain and anguish that you have felt. But, you know, Rock Rutgers turns out and they drop another one. So now that's two losses in a row for Rutgers 
Ohio State does handles their business and blasts Miami of Ohio. But one of our surprise teams we talked about, and we were trying to figure out were they for real or not, takes a trip up to the Twin Cities and walks out of there with an L. What's going on with Nebraska and Minnesota, man? Minnesota stepped up big time with a huge second half. Yep, and Nebraska, we said, are they for real? They went 7-0, non-conference, untested, and then they got hit with a big dose of reality. They lost to Creighton on Sunday. They get blown My out by – Yeah, a team that's going to – they're going to be neck and neck with Marquette for the Big East title. That's going to be – outside the Big Ten, that's going to be one of the most exciting races to watch is Creighton and Marquette in that Big East. So, okay, Nebraska, they, they were untested. They lose this tough game to – a really good team, but then super disappointing just last night against Minnesota. Minnesota's best player, Dawson Garcia, who's been really amazing this year. Yeah. He can do a little bit of everything for them. He goes down with an ankle injury just a few minutes into the game. Nebraska leads 34, 39 to 24 at the end of the first half. And then Minnesota just blows them out without Garcia in the second half, 52 to 26 in the second half. And yeah, Casey Tomanaga, he was someone that really struggled for Nebraska in the game, only four points and 0 for five shooting. And then here, the pair of forwards that we talked about before, Josiah Alec, Rian Kamask, both transfer players who made a big impact. They looked really good in non-conference, but against Creighton and against Minnesota, they have yeah. looked like they need to make an adjustment to Big Ten play in this game in Minneapolis. Alec and Rian Mask only combined for seven points on three for nine shooting. They also struggled against Creighton. So now that the, they're facing these power five big men, it's starting to look like they have a lot of work to do. And then Minnesota to uh, overcoming that injury to Dawson Garcia, really, really impressive. Joshua Ola Joseph, 15 points on six of eight shooting. They get Farrell Payne, 12 points from him off the bench. So I don't expect a ton from this Minnesota team, although hopefully they get Garcia back for the next game. He did try to come back in the second half, so that's a sign that it, it's not a terrible injury. But we'll see. We'll see if they can make some more noise. They had lost to Ohio State pretty handily in their first Big Ten game, but uh, they got a they got a bit they got a big W. So I'll give it to them, and we'll see what they can do going forward. No, and you have to. I mean, what happened in that first half? I mean, Nebraska was really taking advantage of them on the defensive end. And I don't know what Coach said. I always like to say I'd love to be the, the fly on the wall when guys come out and they burn it up like they did. And it really started, in my opinion, on the defensive end. They started doing a better job defending. You know, they really came out and, and, and did a great job defending the three-point line <clears throat> against uh, Nebraska. Nebraska only made five three-point shots, went in, shot under 30%, you know, but that's one of the things that Minnesota is going to have to do. And they do a really good job of sharing the basketball. You know, that 25 made baskets, they had 18 assists. That's a great percentage of, and it shows that your team is sharing the basketball. But 10 steals, seven block shots, Started on the defensive end. Like you said, they were down. They were able to get some scoring to go along with that. And they really was able to turn it around. You know, Ola Joseph, as you talked about, had the big night. And Carrington, who, you know, this kid is nice, man. I, I, I like him. I think he has a really good all-around game. Does a good job of rebounding. And like you said, he got up there and knocked down some free throws. So this, this team has a chance to be pretty good. 
I don't know how good. I mean, we, we talk about tiers in the Big Ten. You know, and I, I wouldn't have put uh, Minnesota in that second. Maybe they're in the third tier a little bit before, you know, if we do them in quads. But it's going to be interesting to see what they become with so many new faces from different places. Yeah, I don't know. They they might be they might still be at the a bottom of the league team to be honest. But yeah, they they're a team that they're going to want to prove a lot of people wrong. They're going to want to climb out of it. And I mean, they're a team I look at and and, and I see a team that maybe Penn State can get a win against. Although now after last night, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they could have won on the road. They were very close to winning on the road. They certainly played better than they did against Bucknell. But now I don't know. I don't know. They they can't get a rebound. How are they going to win the Big Ten? How are you going to win the Big Ten if you can't rebound? You cannot win the Big Ten if you don't rebound. So maybe they go back to practice, Aaron, and they'll do some blockout drills. You know, that we, yes. we were big, real big on blockout drills when I was still playing. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, so let's let's talk now about Purdue because we went all last week. We went all in about Purdue, and they won Maui. And I said, "Are they going to be able to answer questions? Are they going to be able to live up to the hype?" And then they did two things. First, on Friday night, they did not live up to the hype. They lost in Evanston for the second straight year, yes. and a lot of that was because this Northwestern team they're they're returning some talent from a team that made the tournament last year, and they're looking even better. So this might not even be a terrible loss for Purdue. And then they, they did have the great turnaround. They come back to Mackey. They might not lose at home this year. And they looked amazing against Iowa. But first, let's talk about uh, the one uh, the one player I think was an, was an X factor was Lance Jones. We mentioned him before, but his turnaround from the Northwestern game to the Iowa game was really interesting. He went only two of 11 from the field, one of seven from three-point range in this Northwestern loss. So a couple, you know, one or two more shots made, and that could have turned around that result. And when I saw that, I was thinking maybe maybe uh, Coach Painter should think about Miles Colvin sitting on the bench, and he's proven as a freshman already to show the ability to knock down shots. Maybe he's someone who could use some more minutes. But then against Iowa, Lance Jones comes out and goes 7 of 11 for 17 points. And he's a great defender for them also. And he looks like someone who should still be in the starting lineup. So he's I think he's going to continue to be an X factor for him. If he's shooting the ball well, they're going to be almost impossible to beat. And if he's shooting, shooting the ball, ball poorly, you can have a great performance from Boo Booey and Ty Berry. And Boo Booey, unbelievable. He, we talk about some great performances today from Terrence Shannon Jr. and Doug McDaniel, but Boo Booey might take the cake. Not only did he score a ton of points in that game, as I go to look up how many points he did score, but he also had nine assists and zero turnovers against this Purdue team in incredible performance. Yeah, 31 points, seven of them were in overtime, but then the nine assists and zero turnovers, and then Ryan Langborg, the transfer from Princeton, also lit it up from three points. They they were shooting it really well from beyond the arc. And when you couple that in with a poor shooting night from Lance Jones, and you can't blame Zach Eady for that loss in Northwestern yeah, because he was <laughs> incredible. He was at his best, 35 points, 14 rebounds, and three block shots. So it comes down to, Lance, to role players like Lance Jones, and that is going to make the difference to see if Purdue is a national title contender or if they don't live up to the hype again. All right. Stop. Stop it, Aaron. Stop it right there. 
Purdue is a is a contender. Um, you, you're gonna have these nights. You're, you're gonna have these nights, and, and that's one of the things you mentioned. The role players. This that's is why role players are so important, because normally your big dogs do what they're supposed to do. As you mentioned, Zach Eady came out with 35 and 14, got to the free throw line 20 times. I mean, he's going to be a constant dominant. Lawyer played well. Smith played well. You know, so those guys that are, I guess, kind of the, the their big three, for lack of a better term, played well. So other guys have to step up and play well. But that's not something you take away from a Purdue. I think Purdue played well. Northwestern just played great. Northwestern has Purdue's number. Uh, like you said, Chris Collins is an amazing coach. Um, Chris Lowry, who was sitting on their bench, who has kind of take o- taken over defensive purposes um, when he arrived on staff, has turned this team into one of the best defensive teams in the Big Ten. And they have a concept. They have concepts that they're able to, um, I won't say cause issue for Zach Eady, but they cause issues for Purdue. Because I think they understand not too many people are going to stop Zach Eady. So let's stop and control everyone else around you. And as you mentioned, Lance Jones has been that guy, that kind of that other guy. And then he goes two for 11. So they've done a great job. And they do an excellent job of contesting at the three-point line. And that's what Purdue did. And Boo Booey, who seems like he's been in the Big Ten for 20 years, is one of the best guards in the country, man. And, and you just cannot take your hat off, you know, more to his showing that night. But it is, it's normally not in just that night. It's every night. This kid has a knack of putting the ball in the basket. He understands how to play this game. He and Coach Collins are so intertwined and understand and have trust for one another that Chris lets this kid go out there and, and hoop. And when he's doing that, he's making everyone else around him better. You know, as you mentioned, nine nine assists, zero turnovers. This is why that team goes. But they're also, again, a great defensive team. They limit what other people do. They try to take away um, what their best is. And in this instance, they made it tough for everyone else. And, and, you know, the big fella, you ain't going to stop him. But if you can make it tough for everybody else, he can't make enough two-point shots to beat you if you're knocking down threes as well as, you know, getting the other situations and as far as scoring situations going for you. And that's what they did to him. So you got to take your hat off to Northwestern and not necessarily say, hey, Purdue, are you that dog? Because they are. They just got put in the pound that night. Yeah, and you look at what it takes, what it takes to beat Purdue. It takes 17 turnovers for Purdue compared to just three for Northwestern. It takes 50% three-point shooting for Northwestern compared to just 26% from Purdue. Now, Purdue was get, did dominate the offensive rebounding, and, and yes. Northwestern couldn't stop Zach Eady. But that's just a good example. When Eady is playing well, it takes just a huge – discrepancy in turnovers and a huge difference in three-point shooting. And that is for a good team Northwestern to beat them in overtime. That's what it takes. So I still buy, I still buy into them as a national title contender, but for them to go out, it just made me upset for them to go out and lose their big 10 opener when we were just, when we were uh, pumping gas in their tires so much. So no, they, they still, they, they still deserve the gas. They still deserve the air, but this is why you play the sport. Can't win every game. And, yeah. and that Northwest, and like you said earlier, 
this will turn out not to be a, a bad loss for Purdue. It'll be a quad one loss on the road to a team that will be in the NTA tournament. Talking about yes. the Northwestern Wildcats. All right. Uh, the one, and then uh, we talked, we mentioned Rutgers are struggling on the court against Illinois and then Wake Forest last night. Uh, poor performance. They are having trouble putting the ball in the basket. We saw that last year and they're still having trouble scoring the ball, but off the court, wow. Rutgers has been incredible. They already had a five-star recruit in Arias Bailey from Georgia. This week, they added point guard Dylan Harper from Don Bosco in New Jersey, five-star point guard. And he was the, I forget which one's the number two or the number three player in the class. So they were both top five recruits. No one, you never, Rutgers coming out of nowhere. Steve Peichel, what is he what is he doing? And now there's probably be conspiracy theorists, but I don't know. I don't know what Steve Peichel's doing. Maybe they just really want to play in the rack. Maybe they really want to play in the Big Ten. The most recent recruit, Harper, is a local kid. But wow, this is coming out of nowhere. This is crazy. I don't remember a team like Rutgers, who isn't used to getting these recruits, just suddenly without the Without the influence of a superstar coach, I mean, see, Peichel might be a superstar coach now, but he wasn't coming into Rutgers. You know, it's it's not like it's not like a Rick Pitino or a John Calipari switching schools. Right. It's Steve Peichel, he was coming over from Stony Brook, and now he he could be turning Rutgers into a national powerhouse program. I, it's just very early to say that because they they have a lot of work to get in the NCAA tournament this year. But if the, these recruits come in and they could this time next year we could be talking about them as a as a major contender. Well, the, the, this will this is a tournament team. Um, you Steve still think Pike, they're a tournament team? With this I, year? I do, I do. I believe they are. I a think, tournament yeah, team. I think they can do it. They have a they have some work to do after this this non conference. Well, well, no, of course they do. But if you look at who you know their losses to Illinois, you know they they they, they have they don't have bad losses, horrible uh, yeah. losses. Let me say that. So if they and they're also in probably the second best conference, maybe you know some people say first, second best conference in the country. So they're going to have an opportunity to get a bunch of quad one wins. So they put this is they're in the right place to be able to do it. But you're right, they're going to have to figure out who they are really quickly. And right now, especially after watching them play against Illinois, I think that's where their battle is, is figuring out who they are and how they want to play. Rutgers and Steve Peichel basketball, they're going to play tough. They're going to play physical. They're going to defend you. And they're normally a better rebounding team than what they showed against Illinois or what they showed in the last game. So I do expect that to pick up, and I expect them to be better from that standpoint. That's why I, I still think that they have an opportunity to be a tournament team. But let's get back to the two recruits you were just talking about. Coach Michael has always been a good recruiter. I mean, you have to get co- good players at Stony Brook to go along with your, uh, your coaching ability. He's a heck of a coach. I don't care who you are. You can be Mike Krzyzewski. You can be Lou Henson. You can be Bobby Knight. If your talent does not match up to your coaching abilities, you do not win. He's won at, at basically every stop he's been at. I expect him to continue to do that, and that comes with players. As long as you have the right uh, assistant coaches on your staff that are bringing the right players to you, 
because um, I was an assistant coach for a bunch of years as well as a head coach. So I understand is that, that the assistant coaches are the first ones that see this talent. Then they follow these kids. Then they put them on the radar of the coaches if the coach doesn't already uh, know about them or have received a phone call about them. So now this is when the relationships um, start to grow. Maybe Rutgers was the first team to really get into contact and get into bed with those two young men. You know, So now leading up to today, you're like, hey, coach was there from the beginning. So this is who I want to play for. And it's my state team or my city team. Now it makes you even more want to play for him. So I'm glad he was able to get them. But I'll say this. Let's wait and see until the names are on the paper. Yes. You can commit any day. But a lot of these kids, as you know, if um, North Carolina or someone else comes banging on their deal, do they stay with that commitment or do they move on? You know, when the people start throwing NIL, start throwing NIL opportunities with them. Do they continue to follow their heart and stay with the Scarlet Knights or do they chase the money? There's just so many different things that are going on right now in, in college sports that it'll be interesting to see come uh, signing day if they are actually still uh, committed to Rutgers. But, hey, hats off to Steve Peichel and his staff right now for getting commitments from those two kids because you're right. That could be big for Rutgers. Uh, it could really put them in a position where they begin to climb the ladder. I remember an Illinois team was uh, kind of in the dumps until, you know, that guy that's playing for the Bulls right now, Io DeSumo, who was our top player in the state, and then Kofi Coburn both decided to say, hey, you know what, we're going to go back to Illinois. And since then, Illinois has flipped um, on its head, you know, under this Brad Underwood era where, you know, they've, they've got the most wins in the Big Ten during his tenure um, out of any of the teams in the Ten. So, that could turn it around for Rutgers, but we'll see if those kids are still there in the end. Yeah, that's a good point. I was thinking about that when I was watching Rutgers fall behind early to Wake Forest. Like, if this team really struggles this year, are these kids still going to want to come to Rutgers, especially a couple of the kids in that class are, are from out of state, at least a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So no real loyalty to the Garden State, at least on the surface. But yeah, we'll see. I thought it was an amazing development being from oh, New Jersey, knowing the history of Rutgers and seeing them get these names. So, yeah, we'll see if, if, if it sticks. It's going to be really amazing to watch. Do you want to just uh, say uh, what game you're looking forward to as we uh, head into the weekend? We've got one game on Thursday, Iowa visiting Iowa State. Obviously, yeah. big rivalry there. And then big slate on Saturday and a smaller slate on Sunday. I think the biggest game, there are two really big games on Saturday. You're Illini visiting really good Tennessee team. Both of these teams have been all over television in November and December. They have both been challenging themselves a lot. And so we've seen a lot of them and really looking forward to seeing them now against each other in Knoxville, another big challenge for Illinois. And then Wisconsin visiting now number one, Arizona. Arizona hasn't played the same schedule as some of these other teams. They did beat, we did see them beat Michigan State. They are number one because Purdue lost and because some other team, Marquette, has a couple losses now. Right. So can they prove themselves against this upstart Wisconsin team that's doing some really impressive things? Arizona's going to be expected to win at home. So this is a great chance for Arizona to prove itself as legitimate number one team in the country. 
And then Purdue hosting Alabama up in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Alabama, which oh, Alabama had that loss to Ohio State. So I did not catch that game. I just I just uh, glanced over. That was that huge weekend where there was so much going on. So I'm looking forward to that. Alabama, still a good team, although obviously they lost some talent from last year's title contender. And Rutgers against Seton Hall, it's turning into a must-win for Rutgers after they dropped to Illinois and they dropped to Wake Forest. Now, in-state rivalry up in Newark, it's yeah. they're going to have plenty of fans there to balance out the Seton Hall fans, I expect. So that's going to be exciting. And... There's so many good games. Auburn at Indiana. That's another one to look forward to. We'll see if we'll see if Indiana can keep it going. And yeah, Indiana's now 2-0 in the conference. So now they go back to non-conference. Another chance to build the resume. And then on Sunday, Michigan at Iowa. Both these teams need a win. Iowa just 0-1 after the loss to Purdue in conference. Michigan just lost two tough games. They are going to really want to turn it around, but it's going to be a tough assignment on the road, as it always is at Carver Hawk Arena. And then Michigan State at Nebraska. Nebraska coming off that brutal loss, but Michigan State probably pretty desperate for a win. So that is going to be a game where the losers are going to feel awful after that clash on Sunday night. Yeah. Well, a lot, as you mentioned, a lot of really good basketball. Let's start, you know, with the first one you mentioned, Iowa, Iowa State. Anytime you can get a rivalry game, that is always special. Uh, and, and this one is is one that's, you know, built up for for all the folks in Iowa. Let's say the Cyclones do not like the Hawkeyes and the Hawkeyes do not like the Cyclones. Right now, Iowa State's favored by seven points at home. And I think it's not, that that's probably not far off from what the game is going to be. I, I don't know if Iowa can go in there and win. I mean, Iowa State is really good at home. Iowa's still trying to figure out who they are, I believe, as a team, because they're always a team that outscores you. They're, they're not the greatest of defensive teams. They, I mean, they play a switching style of defense, so it'll be really interesting to see how they go in and play against that Iowa State team, because Iowa State's going to run it at you. They're going to run it at you. They're going to push it. They, you know, they play really up-tempo style of play. But if this team is solid and has been solid for uh, a very long time. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think this Illinois-Tennessee game you and the slate of games that you mentioned is probably the biggest one. I think it's a matchup of the two best teams on that day. Uh, not to take anything away from Arizona. Arizona, I believe, is really good. I think they may have too much size uh, for Wisconsin. Now, I could be wrong, of course, um, but I think they may have too much size uh, for the Badgers. But I think this Illinois team and Tennessee are very um, similar teams. They they get at you uh, on the defensive end. They move the ball well on offense. But what I really enjoy about Illinois right now, what they're doing is attacking downhill. I mean, they're attacking the basket. They're obliterating people on uh, teams on the glass. I mean, not, besides this last um, basketball game in, in New York, they had, had 50 straight rebound games. 50 rebounds. If you can get 50 rebounds in a game, that, that leaves little bit, little for another team to do. It leaves them little second opportunities. And that's one of those areas where um, – Tennessee thrives. You know, they're they're really good ball movement. They shoot the ball well. They get up and down the court. 
And this is why I said that's probably why that's the better uh, game for me. I'm fortunate enough I'll be sitting there on the sideline, uh, courtside, while we're watching this and being able to, you know, have a really good look at this Tennessee team up front and close. Uh, I do like the Purdue game, um, what they're going to play up in Toronto. But, you know, Purdue to me, I, I think if they can – if, if their guards can deal with the length and athleticism of the um, Alabama guards, I don't. I know Alabama won't be able to deal with the size on the interior. Um, Alabama is a team that wants to get out and run. They want to pressure. And Purdue is a team that understands patience. They move the basketball. They shoot the ball really well. They get the ball inside to their horse. And he goes to work and then everyone else feeds off of him. So that's going to be a knockdown, drag him out as well. But um, if I had to choose one of those games, I, I, that Illinois game, man, uh, and I'm not just saying that because I'm in the line, <laughs> but I think, I think that game is going to be a special game. And it's really going to dictate where these two teams go. Um, I know it's early in the season, but if you can, if you're an Illinois team and you can come off a win at Rutgers, then go in and beat number 11 FAU in New York and then go home, go on the road and beat Tennessee in Knoxville. Oh my God, that shoots you up probably into, you know, close to the top 10, if not in the top 10. I mean, cause you will have big two highly ranked teams, Tennessee on the other hand, they can get a win against a hot Illinois team. Now they're like, Hey, our case is made as well. We need to be bumped up in the rankings as well. But this is definitely two uh, teams that could and have the potential to go deep in March. So this is going to be a really exciting game to watch. Yeah, and this is going to have huge. It's going to have seating implications. I think both these teams are going to have a lot of success in their conference, regardless of what happens on Saturday. Yep. But yeah, like you said, big rankings implications, big seating implications down the line. I didn't realize how tough Tennessee's schedule was. They won at Wisconsin before we before Wisconsin really got hot. So that was good because they also beat Syracuse in that new SEC ACC challenge. And yeah. then they have they ran into Purdue and Kansas. Oh no, Syracuse was Syracuse was Maui. They lost to Carolina in the SEC ACC challenge. Syracuse they wanted they beat Syracuse and Maui. Then they run into Purdue and Kansas in Maui. They dropped both of those, and then they lost at Carolina. Uh, when Caroline just went off offensively, that was the the challenge game. Right. So that is just – they have four monster opponents plus Syracuse, who has a lot of talent, and now they're play Illinois. This, this Tennessee schedule is crazy. Dalton Connect, who came from northern Colorado. No, northern – am I missing – I'm missing – I have to get this right. Northern Colorado or northern Arizona? Northern Colorado. <laughs> no one, I no one had even heard of this guy. He was he scored twenty points per game in the Big Sky Conference, and now in the SEC or against SEC style competition because their schedule's been so tough. He's scoring nineteen points per game. He's been incredible. I can't wait to see him against all Illinois stars. And yeah, great weekend of hoops coming up, and we will be back on Big Ten Spotlight to talk about everything that happened in this what should be a really exciting weekend. So that is Dion Thomas. I am Aaron York. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow the podcast so you can stay up to date on Big Ten Hoops all season long. Peace hey, out. Well, before we get out of here, yes. Aaron, let, let's let everybody know 
We're going to start voting on the dunk of the week. Well, the play of the week. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily the dunk of the week. But we're yeah, gonna start good that out it doesn't have to be a dunk. That doesn't have to be a dunk. I mean, but, you know, when, you, when you're a high flyer like I used to be, <laughs> you know, you, you tend to yeah, like you're partial to the dunk. Of course, play. we're all partial for dunks. Everyone loves a, loves a dunk. Exactly. Who does not like a good pass behind the back and you finish over top somebody? Come on now. You, you got to love it. But no, looking forward to getting that out there and going for everybody. Aaron, thank you, man. This is always a pleasure, brother. All right. Yeah, me too. Peace out. Peace.